What's the scoop around the NBA? Let's find out with the Scoop on Hoops NBA podcast. This is your host, Cody Mallory, back with another episode of the Scoop on Hoops NBA podcast. I am once again joined by my co-host, Joe Farrow. How was your weekend, man? Dude, it was a good weekend. Good weekend for the most part. Did a lot of family stuff. Did a lot of running around, a lot of boozing with some of the guys. Uh <laughs> Uh, I also watched uh, White Man Can't Jump too. That was actually it was actually surprisingly like really really good. Jack Harlow can act. I was very surprised by that. But a weekend. <laughs> nice man, nice. Um, before we dive into the show, I just want to say that we're right around a week old since we launched, and yeah. I just want to thank everyone who has listened, follow, rated the show, um, shared it. We greatly appreciate it. If you haven't done it yet, if you please could, it does help a lot. And like I said, we greatly appreciate all the support that we have been given so far early on. For sure. It's been it's been fun so far, man. I'm excited to keep it rolling. It's uh it's been a nice, nice little week and we're we're already charting allegedly, so that's fun. <laughs> the the reviews yeah. will, the reviews will definitely help that. If you keep keep leaving five stars, it'll be greatly, greatly appreciated. All right. Well said, Joe. So let's jump into our What's the Scoop segment. And there's no other way I want to start it than Carmelo Anthony announcing his retirement officially today. Mm -hmm. Um, What are your thoughts, Joe? One of the greatest pure scorers of a basketball that we have ever seen in the game. I believe he finished number nine all time in scoring for his career currently as it stands. So, man, he he was just incredible to watch, uh, especially his his uh, when I first started watching basketball, like Carmelo Anthony was the guy at like in terms of just like pure scoring. And he was a he was a show every single night in Madison Square Garden throughout the prime of his career. He was a guy who was just like the epitome of like a fun to watch type player, college champion, three time gold medalist one of the greatest that we have ever seen play and like congrats to him on having an incredible career. Yeah. And I think you kind of mentioned my biggest takeaway. It was at every level. Like it started in high school, happened at Syracuse, which killed me obviously as a Yukon guy, but incredible at Syracuse, his NBA career with both the Nuggets and the Knicks. He did it for team USA um, he was a 10-time All-Star, voted on the 75 greatest anniversary team. Um, like you said, one of the greatest scorers to ever touch a basketball. Absolutely. And, like, that is – I've never seen anybody be able to, like, just, like, pump fake and foot jab like Carmelo Anthony and just get people to just bite every single time. It was some of the most lethal stuff you'll ever see. Prime Melo, for people who really don't understand, was an absolute different breed. Yeah, complete three-level score, 100%. Absolutely. He was the definition of, like, three-level score when all that – when, like, that term was first invented. 100%. Great career. Obviously, he hasn't been in the league, but he officially announced his retirement today. Um, Next thing, real quick, is Shams Charania reported on May 19th. I think that was Friday, if I'm not mistaken. Friday. Um, that the NBA is considering changing the all-star game format back to the East versus West. Um, I think mainly the NBA is trying to make the game more competitive. Yes. And they need to, (laughs) it's been, it's been pretty much, we had the one year, I believe that was two years ago where it was still semi-competitive throughout. And then 
the fourth quarter, they really turned it up and we had an incredible finish to that game. Um, and then this year it was just, it was embarrassing to watch, to watch the all-star game this year, to say the least. Um, so they definitely need to find some way to make it a little more competitive. And I'm glad that they're realizing that because the all-star weekend is a spectacle for the NBA between the dunk contest, which has lost a lot of its lore. The three-point contest is the main event at this point now. Um, the rising stars challenge has been okay, but, and then the skills challenge, they kind of made like a complete joke out of with the teams. So, I mean, they, they've got to find some way to make at least to bring back the dunk contest and to bring back the all-star game for sure. Cause those are three things that everybody wants to see. hundred percent. This, this past season's all-star game was literally layup lines. Like, yeah. There weren't even any cool dunks, man. It was just like layups, and it was the so one. Boring. The one fun part of the All Star game this year was Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum guarding each other for like five straight possessions each, and then just cooking each other. Right. <laughs> the only that was the only fun part throughout the entire thing. And like the worst part about it, obviously, there was no defense played at all, which is expected. Like maybe limited defense would be nice, but the one time someone tried to actually like make a defensive play if you remember it was when lebron tried to go for a block and he like punched the rim and hurt his hand yeah so he's like then he called it a night then like can't blame yep. him. can't blame him like, <laughs> he did enough <laughs> like yeah correct me if i'm wrong joe you're a big mlb fan baseball baseball is whoever wins the all-star game gets home field advantage correct see i'm not entirely sure if that's the case anymore i feel like they did might they have switch it I feel like they might have taken that out but and that was my initial thought too when we were taught when i was thinking about like what can they do but it's like if you think about it like there could be guys like say just for example a damian lillard whose team has like whose team has like or like say Lamelo ball or whatever like if he was healthy and if he was healthy on this hornets team and they were still as bad as they were this year what incentive does he have to get the eastern conference home court advantage in the finals kind of thing you know it's like right so it's like that's another situation you could run into, but for sure, it's uh, it's they got to find something. And I I did think of that immediately as well because that that definitely gave some incentive uh, throughout the MLB All Star Game over the years. I really am not sure if that's the case anymore, but uh, I know that that definitely used to be a rule for them, and some guys would fight hard for it. Yeah, I mean, look at basketball. Typically, the home team wins. Yeah, I mean, um, huge advantage. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's go back into some coaching updates real quick um, from Woj today. Um, the Bucks are narrowing their group of top candidates to Nick Nurse, Golden State assistant Kenny Atkinson, and Toronto assistant Adrian Griffin. These coaches will be part of the final conversations with Milwaukee leadership this week. Yeah. Um, they also. Oh wait, this is the Bucks, right? That we're talking the box, about. correct. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, in all honesty, I think Nick Nurse is the guy for the job over there. I agree. Um, Kenny Atkinson has shown, like in previous like stints, that like he can coach young teams, and he is a one hell of a player development coach. Um, I don't know much about uh, what was it, Adrian Griffin? Yep. His name. I really don't know much about him at all. Um. But Nick Nurse is the one championship-proven coach, and usually those guys are the ones to get the nod. Um, that that's the way I see it. He's coached he's coached forwards like where your best player was a forward before. He knows how to create like a, a good team around them and get the necessary pieces and coach them all well. 
I envision, like we said on, like, I believe it was the first or the second episode that, like, we really think it's just going to be a coaching carousel for the most part. Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously anything can happen in the NBA. Like, no one was expecting Steve Nash, who we'll get into in a second, land the Nets <laughs> job. But I do think Nick Nurse is going to ultimately get it. It makes sense. Championship coach, championship team um, aspirations. I think he's the obvious choice. Then there was the Toronto Raptors, Joe. Mm-hmm. Obviously, as Nets fans, we've um, we've watched a lot of Steve Nash. The Raptors met with Steve Nash to discuss their head coaching job. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as a Nets fan, not a fan of it um, for the Raptors, that's for sure. But And it was so funny the way they worded the tweet, too. It's like, oh, Steve Nash had a 93 and uh, 58 record or whatever as the Nets head coach. I'm like, yeah, yeah 90, 94 and 67. They yeah. called him a Canadian basketball legend. Yeah, it's like they were wording it all nice. It's like, do you guys not remember that, like, guy had three of the best players on the planet and, like, the, he couldn't lead the locker room and the, the team just didn't perform well. The guy doesn't know when to call a timeout, even though he's one of the best game managers in the history of basketball. It was – I don't know. <laughs> Steve Nash is not a good coach. We, we learned that already. But if the Raptors want to take that chance, go for it, I guess. <laughs> See, like, Joe, my thoughts on it. Kenny Atkinson's the guy for the job that, like – in he Toronto, yeah, yeah. he'd be great over there. He fits especially well for what Toronto needs. They are, especially if they are in a position where they would want to trade a guy like Pascal Siakam, or and like or Fred Van Vliet kind of thing, where like you have a lot of young guys on that team. You have a Scotty Barnes, OG Ananobi. He's not necessarily like young, but like he's a up and coming like kind of piece for them. Still, he could still has he still has a lot of room to grow. I believe you've seen a lot of like Pascal Siakam's development already. Fred Van Vliet obviously is not getting any younger. I believe he's like about to be 30. But uh and like they're a team that could change a lot this season, but Scotty Barnes is the future over there as of right now. So and like I believe oh, yeah. they they're gonna get more young pieces. So Kenny Atkinson I feel is the guy over there. And I mean I don't necessarily think they believe that they're going to be contending again like next year unless like Scotty Barnes takes like a major leap but it's I, I it wouldn't it wouldn't necessarily shock me if they give him the job especially like that that's something that'll make like just like casual fans in Canada happy it's like oh Canadian guy coaching our team you know fun <laughs> fun experience but what wait until he allows a 20 to 5 run to start the game it doesn't call a timeout until 7 minutes left in the first quarter um yeah so i don't know i i wouldn't be a fan of it. i don't think steve i don't think steve nash should be coaching anywhere as a head coach let alone like yeah i don't know kenny atkinson i would i would give i would give the job to in toronto <laughs> yeah 100 percent. i agree and i just want to say we're recording it's monday night um right around 11 o'clock so this lakers and nuggets game is Going down to the wire right now, there's two minutes left and the Nuggets are up three and Jokic just hit another step back at the end of the shot clock, like falling from three point. It was insane over the top of the set. But we'll get more into this game when it actually ends. Um, Some real quick player rumors. James Harden from, I think it's Keith Pompey. Pompey, I don't know if I'm saying it wrong, reported on May 19th. Pompey, but yeah. Pompey. All right. Also, Also on Friday. Um, James Harden is expected to reunite with the Rockets, and he also went on to say 
Before hiring Ime Udoka on April 25th, the Rockets' head coaching candidates were asked during the interview process for their opinion on coaching James Harden. Ugh. Oh, man. I don't get it. Like, have have they not watched them the last two years? Like, he's not that guy anymore. He can be an elite floor general. So, like, the Phoenix Suns make sense to me. Like, playing next to Booker and KD. But I, I just don't get it, man. I do not get it at all. To me, it seems if James Harden's going to Houston, it's a nostalgia act where he can get his bag, try to help out some of the young guys. Like then if he goes to Houston at this point, I believe he's throwing all championship hopes out the window. Like he doesn't necessarily care about that at this stage. If he's if he goes to the Suns, then that's a different story. Like that's a scary, scary, scary team. Um Correct. Like, like you said, he's he like, and I said this the last episode. He is the definition of loss of step, and it's like I don't I don't like to hate on players kind of thing, but like he he definitely has lost a step, and he's gonna end up getting a max from Houston, and it's just gonna be uh, I don't know, it's gonna be interesting for sure. Um, as as Nets fans, for us, we know it's our worst nightmare essentially because that team is gonna somehow keep being better than us and gonna swap all our picks again. So that'll, <laughs> so that'll be fun, but I don't know. I feel like they're already a guard heavy team over there. So it's like, if you sign James Harden, does that mean you're trading Kevin Porter jr? Uh, right. And it's like, what uh, it's like, what value does Kevin Porter jr really have? I don't really know what uh team, like he has a history, you know, like of locker room stuff. So if you're going to bring in James Harden, just to try to get some value for another guy who, who has been the starting point guard for your team for the last two and a half seasons. Um, I don't know. It's it's definitely going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. And I mean, it's all it's far from confirmed because anything could happen. The Suns could come in with a wild offer and make a couple of trades or whatever, or it could be some team from the outside, or he could go back to the Sixers. Like who knows? Like, right. but it's I, I don't I don't get the appeal at this stage. If you watched if you've watched the guy over the last two years, it's like if you're it. I think it actually just depends on the contract is how you're going to have to judge it in reality. Like if he if he goes to to the Rockets on like say like a two year deal that's like not I mean it's gonna be max level because he's James Harden but I'm not giving that guy a max at all. <laughs> I I just think it's crazy that they were when they were interviewing coaches they were asking them I mean I'm assuming the report's correct back yeah. in April. Yes. Yeah, before correct. they they hired Ime Udoka on April 25th. So assuming the report's correct, it is insane to me that they were asking candidates their opinion on coaching James Harden. No, it is, that is it is pretty absurd. I'm not gonna lie. Like I have never heard of anything like that. But uh, you know, the NBA tampering does not actually exist. So <laughs> right, and it's like April 25th. I mean, the 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 Sixers were still playing basketball. Obviously, like James Harden was playing on a different team in the playoffs, and they're asking head coaching candidates. I was like, like before that was like in that was like meantime when they like after they had swept the Nets, waiting to start the next series against the Celtics. Right. That was that, was that time. That's just insane to me, man. Right. And then Kyrie Irving. Um, so we had conflicting reports on Kyrie Irving. Yeah. So Eric Pincus, Pincus, I don't know how to say his name, man. But anyways, <laughs> he reported on May 21st. So that was Sunday, which was yesterday, that Kyrie Irving and the Dallas Mavericks had a handshake deal, in quotation marks, on a new contract um, for a four-year max prior to being traded from the Nets. 
And then Brian Windhorse, I think it was the same day, also yesterday, was on a podcast and he said that the Lakers will might go after Kyrie Irving for LeBron James. He went on further to say that just because they went after Kyrie does not mean that they would have to give up Austin Reeves. Um, and that they would, just, they would just lose Rui Hachimura and D'Lo if they were to get Kyrie. Right. The um, the Mavericks, he would go on to say, are kind of like stuck where if Kyrie tells them, like, I want to go there, they already gave up assets for it. They would just have to be forced to try to get some back. And then tonight, you have game four in the Western Conference Finals, obviously in L.A. Kyrie's sitting courtside underneath the basket. Um, D'Angelo Russell was essentially benched. He's hardly played. He didn't start. Um, I mean, when there's smoke, there's usually fire. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how that one plays out because there have been multiple points throughout this season where it's like, okay, the Lakers have zero interest in Kyrie Irving. Oh, the Lakers might have interest in Kyrie Irving. The Lakers definitely do not want Kyrie Irving. Oh, no, and now the Lakers might go after <laughs> LeBron James happy. I'm like, uh, it's kind of, I'm in a believe it when I see it kind of mode with Kyrie Irving. It's like, and like, especially with like the teams, it's they're all, they're all going back and forth because like it's no secret that Kyrie Irving is a divisive player. Um, Correct. He's, he's one of the most controversial figures throughout the entire NBA. And um, that's not even like throwing a shot at him or anything like that. It's just the mat. It's just a matter of fact, like people are scared to take a risk on Kyrie Irving at this point in his career. And like, I can't necessarily blame him, but like, it's all, it's, it's, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Like no result is necessarily going to shock me knowing Kyrie Irving when he asked that, when he asked for a trade this season and he ends up on the Dallas Mavericks, that was like nobody necessarily saw that coming, but who knows? <laughs> yeah, I just I want to say one more thing about James Harden real quick. Brian Windhorst yesterday also said there is an appetite, and I put that in quotes, around the NBA for James Harden landing a four-year contract worth more than $200 million. Ugh. Crazy. That is disgusting. One last rumor I want to talk about real quick is also from Eric Pink- Pincus. I'm going to say his name. He rep- said NBA sources believe that the Dallas Mavericks are a likely landing spot for DeAndre Ayton. Um, he would go on to say that the Suns need depth, then that he could see them getting Tim Hardaway Jr., JaVale McGee, Josh Green, and the number 10 pick for DeAndre Ayton. Hmm. Seems like a lot to me, honestly. Like DeAndre Ayton. But yeah. borderline a negative contract, in my opinion. Yeah, he's he his contract definitely doesn't help matters. Um, but last year it was kind of the Suns like they were just gonna be like they were just gonna lose out on that sort of money to match in a trade. Right. Like they wanted to make a trade, and like they would have they were in a situation where if they let DeAndre and go, they still would have been over the salary cap and only would have been able to sign minimum guys anyway. So it was like bring them back, and then hopefully you can facilitate a trade at some point to where. To where like you at least have the money to match and stay like still get quality back while staying over the cap. Like there was no point of letting him walk for nothing at that point. So DeAndre Ayton's been like it's it feels like DeAndre Ayton's been waiting to get traded since his second year in the NBA. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And obviously he was reported to be one of the main people involved in the Kevin Durant trade over the summer which ultimately did not happen. And then he was not included when Kevin Durant was ultimately traded at the deadline. And so and I, mean, we wait. I, know, I know the majority of us as as fans of like 
just the league in general, like when we saw the package for Kevin Durant and like not and like don't get it twisted, like the Nets did get a haul when they traded Kevin Durant, but it was like, oh, you expected DeAndre Ayton to be involved in the trade as well, just because like it just made like the most sense. Like it he's like we said, he's been waiting to get traded for like two, three years at this point. So it's like you we a lot of a I'm I know I personally was shocked not to see Aiden, but it's it definitely seems like this offseason is the one where he gets moved, especially if they can't get off that Chris Paul contract. Like they're gonna have to move one of them, and it's probably gonna right. be I I don't I don't see how the Mavericks make it work. Like, would it be a play where they try to like sell Kyrie on a Luca, DeAndre Ayton, Kyrie Irving big three? Like if I'm Kyrie, I want to get with LeBron and Anthony Davis personally, the team that's in the Western Conference Finals right now. I mean, but I also would not blame the the Mavericks if they think that Luca's playmaking ability can create something with DeAndre and because that's fair. Because like Luca, you see what he does with guys like JaVale McGee and Maxi Kleber and Dwight Powell and like could you imagine if he had the guy who went uh, he had a center who went number one overall and he's athletic, he's long, he's big, like he's built to be an NBA center. Um, like he's very capable of doing so. It just ball hasn't really swung in his favor over in Phoenix up to this point. And he's he's been kind of scapegoated, um, I guess we can say. But at the same time, it's also a matter of like, yes, he definitely should have performed better. Um I don't know. I feel like it's it's one of those weird mixes where it's like he's getting a little bit too much of the blame because like he really shouldn't have to be the guy there right now when you have when like really he's fourth in the pecking order and like a lot of blame gets put towards him. Um and his rebounding has struggled at times, but I feel like with Luka Doncic he would be I feel like that would be a good pairing over there. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I could definitely see it. Um it's something to keep an eye on. He'll probably be moved in the offseason as the Suns try to retool their roster that got depleted following the trade with Brooklyn. Yep. Um, anything I missed, Joe, that you want to talk about real quick? I'm trying to think. I don't necessarily think that there's anything. Yeah, I mean, the rumors as we get further into the playoffs, the finals finish, the rumors are just going to keep picking up. So we'll definitely keep an eye on all of that for you guys. Um let's jump into the conference finals, which honestly have been incredibly underwhelming, disappointing. Um, Never have both teams ever been swept in the conference finals. This is only the second time since they switched to this format um, that both teams are down 3-0. The other time was in 2015. I mean, the Lakers are on the verge of being swept right now. They're down two with four seconds left to play in the game. And the Boston Celtics have straight up quit. Yeah. And I mean, like a lot of stuff is coming out of the Celtics organization right now. It's like Joe Mazzullo feels he lost the locker room. People in the New England area think that Joe Mazzullo will face consequences if they lose this series. Like, it's like, bro, like absolute insanity to start off with. But but also looks like the, the Lakers have a last ditch effort here as well. And it definitely seems like there's a good chance both teams are swept unless something crazy happens over here. But And, Joe, with that, LeBron was just blocked at the buzzer and the Lakers are officially eliminated. The Nuggets are going to the finals. That's insane. Insanity. I mean, I think everyone – I shouldn't say everyone because there's always the outliers, but expected the Nuggets to win this series. Like, the Nuggets – 
they've been the best team in the West all year. Obviously, the one seed, um, they have the big home court advantage. Um, and they've kind of been the group that's been together and that's just continued to build. Obviously, they had the Jamal Murray injuries, the Michael Porter injuries. But this is a core that's been together. And it's like, I'm honestly not that surprised that they won. I didn't think it would be in four. I thought it would go like five or six at least. I mean, yeah, um, we were on here the other day, and we said Celtics in five. And we, <laughs> we said whatever happens in the Laker game, we were favoring the Lakers, but we said it's going at least six. Yeah. So, but, I mean, also credit, credit to both the Heat and the Lakers. Like, the Lakers, nobody really – I mean, it's a team of LeBron, so you never count them out, but they were a seven seed, and, like, they they, right. made, they made it all the way to the conference finals, and they were just outmatched. You know, it's like you can't do that much, but – um, the Heat looks like we're having an eight seed versus a one seed in the NBA Finals. <laughs> Speaking uh, of LeBron, real quick, I just want to give him some credit. Even though they lost the game tonight by two. Oh, yeah. He played 47 minutes and, like, 56 seconds. He sat out for four seconds at the end of the second, like the second quarter. I think someone was shooting free throws or something, so they gave him a little four-second break. He pretty much played the entire game. He scored 40 points, had 10 rebounds, 9 assists on 15 of 25 shooting. The man is 38 years old. And then his superstar teammate, Anthony Davis, was horrible for a majority of the game. He picked it up late, but he finished with 21 of 14 of 6 of 15. Anthony Davis played 40 minutes. He was three. He was three for twelve at one point in the game. Just Correct perspective, but he, he. I think he ended up with like twenty and fifteen, like <laughs> like to finish. <laughs> yeah, and then I mean, you look at the Nuggets, like just balance domination. Obviously, you have Jokic, who has already set the record in the NBA for most triple doubles in a single postseason with eight. He passed. I think it was Will Chamberlain. Um, and he Andrew, still had. I would have thought Russell Westbrook had that honestly, but. No, it wasn't. That's crazy. And he obviously has a minimum of four more games, and he already set the record, which is crazy. But he had 30 points, 13 assists, 14 rebounds. You got Michael Porter with 15, Aaron Gordon with 22, Jamal Murray with 25. So, like, they're just a balanced team. They've been together for, what, like, I think Aaron Gordon's been on their team for three years now, and he's, like, the newest person. I believe he got traded there the in 2020, yes. Yeah, so he was like, like there for the bubble, I believe. Uh, it's very rare in the NBA, and they've—I mean, the Nuggets have had collapses in the playoffs the last couple of years, yeah. but it's very rare in the NBA that you see a team get this long of a like a try together, and it's only been three or four years, so it's crazy. But I feel like the last one we saw like that, like outside of like the Boston Celtics, right now right. was like the the John Wall and Bradley Beal Wizards. Or like, the, yeah. or like the Demar Derozan and Kyle Lowry Raptors, like those right. are like the last two that like we really saw, like that where like two like stars like were given so long of a run together before they decided to like tear it apart. Like Jamal Murray and Jokic, they've been doing this yearly, and like they finally got the perfect supporting cast around them. It seems like like we were talking about last episode with the small additions, uh, trading for KCP. You brought in Bruce Brown. You brought in Jeff Green. Christian Brown has been good for them. Um, then they they they're just fun, bro. Like I, they they have such a fun team. I agree. Um, I want to really quickly talk about the Celtics, and uh, 
the Heat, like, I want to give them credit. But, Joe, did we maybe all think that the Boston Celtics were the Boston Celtics of last year? Like, if we look at their playoffs, they struggled against Atlanta. Mm -hmm. I think they won, what, in six? Yep. And then they play Philly, who didn't have Joel Embiid. They lose, and they let James Harden go off for 40-whatever in two games. Yep. They fall down 3-1 to Philly. And if Jason Tatum doesn't get incredibly hot, they lose game six. Because he just took over with four minutes left in the game, and they're done in six. And then in game seven, Jason Tatum goes off for 50-something, and they win game seven. It was 51. He he finished. Because so, like, if he broke Steph's record of fifty in a game seven, like two weeks right. after it happened, <laughs> right? So, if Tatum doesn't go absolutely insane, they're out after six games. Yep. And it's like Miami is just—are they this good? Are their role players just hot? Is Jimmy Butler just him? Like, there's all these takes on the Miami Heat because they were—I think they were three minutes away from being eliminated. Eliminated in the play-in tournament by the Chicago Bulls. Yep. And it's like, are the Heat really this good? Or are the Boston Celtics just not the team that we all thought they were? I think it's also an example of some of a coach being outcoached. Eric Spolscher's been doing yeah. this for a long time. We talked about this already. We said that he he is one of like the only coaches who is like legitimately safe year after year. Like, no matter how bad the Miami Heat are, I feel like the Miami Heat could have won 10 games this year and Spo still wouldn't have gotten fired. You know, like, he's one of the only guys you could really say that about. So it's like, it's they're being outcoached. Jimmy Butler is playing out of his mind. They're getting good contributions from a lot of the guys on the bench. And, like, we talked we talked about this too. It's like they've lost depth throughout this playoff. <laughs> and like, now, and, like, when Tyler Hero got hurt, we were like, oh man, like the Heat, like that's that's a tough blow for him. Then Victor Oladipo goes down. Now, like they were like, yeah, Tyler Hero could possibly return in the NBA Finals, and we all just kind of brushed it off. All right, yeah, his season's over. Like, <laughs> now, like they could be getting Tyler Hero back for the playoffs, right? For the so it's like that would also be huge. If uh, granted, if they win one more game, <clears throat> but man, like I, I think it's just an example of like like talent can only take you so far. Like and at the end of the day, it is the talent on on the Celtics that have carried them this far because it's like it's rare that you even see a team switch coaches, like especially in the fashion that they had to switch coaches this year. Joe Mazzulla took over, and they end up then like the talent just carried them, and it's like now uh, Mazzulla's had to actually like co- out coach somebody, and it doesn't seem he was able to do that. Yeah, I mean, last year the Celtics were elite on the defensive side of the ball. Yep. That was their identity. They had the two studs, and then they were elite on the defensive side. This year, so far against the Heat, last game they gave up 128. When they were down 2-0, like desperation, you don't come back in the NBA down 3-0 in the playoffs. I think teams are like 0-149, and now it's 150 with the Lakers losing. Not in game five or game four, but in the series overall. They gave up 128. They got embarrassed destroyed like i'm pretty sure the starters were benched the entire fourth quarter that's how bad they were getting shit on in that game yep game game before that they gave up 111 game before that they gave up 123 it's like there's no i don't know man it's like they don't care they're not trying they're playing like dumb they're doubling off shooters it's like i just they don't have an identity 
Yeah, and last year they were also getting bigger contributions from their centers, and like they Robert right. Williams and Al Horford both have not been great throughout this entire. That was their that was a big strength for them last year. They were able to run both of them at the same time, and like they were getting very competitive defensive and offensive offensive minutes, and it just it it hasn't worked out the same this year. And again, maybe that's coaching. Like they're not being put in the right position to succeed. I guess. Um, I don't know. It's it's tough. Robert Williams definitely has not been great. He's shown some flashes. Al Horford, he's only getting older. You know, Marcus Smart, he's he's had a couple of good games throughout this run, but he has not looked like his defensive player of the year self. Uh, he's hit a couple yeah. of good shots for him, but the the team in general seems to be declining. And again, I don't I don't really know how much the coaching is affecting that, but it definitely could be a factor. Yeah, and in addition to that, like, we know the NBA refs have been pretty goddamn atrocious all year. They always are. I mean, it's it's a hard job. Like, the game is so fast. It's so physical. It's like, it's not an easy job at all. And the Celtics are spending more time complaining about the refs than they are actually playing the game. And Jimmy Butler is just punking them. There's no other way to put it. <laughs> Jimmy Butler, and, Jimmy Butler's playing like he did when he uh, wipes the Timberwolves starters with the G Leaguers. <laughs> yeah, this is personal for Jimmy Butler, one hundred percent. Like you yeah. saw him get back at Al Horford with the calling a timeout for the other team celebration, um, and then they're getting insane contributions from their bench. Like it's four undrafted guys, and it's it feels disrespectful to classify them as undrafted guys because. Without them, I don't care how good Jimmy Butler has been. They are not making it this far. And it's like, I'm pretty sure I heard on, uh, I think the game was on TNT the other day, that they've accounted for 43% of the Miami Heat points in these playoffs. Yep. And, it's and like, that's, that's a testament to Spo and Pat Riley. Yeah, and another big thing for the Heat is Duncan Robinson is playing like Duncan Robinson again. Like, right. he's another guy classified as, like, one of the worst contracts in the league. And, like, Tyler Hero goes down and he's stepped up. He's been huge for them. There was the other night, uh, the other night, Duncan Robinson was legit blowing by his defender on like many different occasions. I was like, oh, wow. So Duncan thinks he's Tyler Hero right now. <laughs> yeah, I saw him make like three layups. I was like, Whoa, who, yeah. who is this guy? He, he doesn't do that. Blowing by him. I was like, damn, like what, what the hell got into him? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the Celtics play tomorrow night. They, they looked cooked to me. Like they look like they quit. Going into Game Three, it looked like they didn't care anymore. Um, so if they, Joe, if they, this is an interesting situation. If they lose tomorrow and they get swept, the conference finals are over. We're moving on to the finals. Game yep. One's not scheduled until June first. We are currently going to be on May twenty third tomorrow. So are they like not going to push the games up? Like, what are they going to do? They would have to. There's no way they wait that long. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. It's like a crazy amount of time. I mean, obviously, they don't expect both teams are going to get swept, but here we are, potentially. Them, the Lakers are done. Two days, figure out logistics, give them two days, and then and then come yeah. back. Yeah, I mean, are tickets sold already? Like, there's a lot of factors to it, but I don't know. Like, it just seems that's a crazy long break that they could be getting. Well, their tickets are going to start being sold now, for sure, because right. it's going to be in Denver, so. Right. I mean, I'm sure there was a pre-sale kind of thing already, but. Yeah, I don't know. It's just crazy to me. I, I don't know what they're going to do, but like you said, they got to do something. Because what? That's, it's like 10 days or something. It's insane. Yeah. 
it's it's that's a lot of time. They can't do that. They got to move them up. Yeah. So right now we got the Nuggets won the West and the Heat are in firm control of the East up 3-0 against Boston with tomorrow night's game being in Miami. Anything we missed, Joe? I think that's all covered. Uh, congrats to Nicole Jokic, Western Conference Finals, Western Conference Finals MVP. Uh, we would expect Jimmy Butler to get the same before too long. Um, yep. And then, and then, it's an interesting finals matchup for sure. Yeah, it's like you said, a one versus an eight, and, <laughs> and I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I, I I've been shooting on the Miami Heat all postseason, so I'm just going to stop. I yeah, gave them I'm just, zero. I'm gonna give them a fair shake, honestly. <laughs> I gave them a zero percent chance of beating Boston. They're about to sweep them, so I'm done shit talking the Miami Heat. But once again, they are outmatched incredibly by talent, and we'll see if they can continue to do what they've been doing. Absolutely. All right, Joe. Let's wrap up here. Thank you for listening to the Scoop on Hoops NBA podcast. Please subscribe, like, comment, and share. We greatly appreciate all the support. Until next time, bye-bye.